Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. From Variety, celebrating 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. James Corden is immensely proud of how his team rallied this past year and produced the Late Late Show under such unusual circumstances. This past 12 months, the way that we all dug in together, doing the show in my garage, moving the show to the studio, having a COVID scare and doing four shows from a hotel room remotely while everybody else was here, doing the show back in my garage in January, coming back into the studio, like, this, this group of people that I get to work with every day, is, they, are, they are so brilliant. And however good they are at their jobs, which is extraordinary, they, their professionalism, their dedication to the show is, is outrageous. Who they are as people and the way that we have bound together really in this group and this safe, protective bubble of nobody really doing anything that might put anybody else at risk in any ways. My love for them has grown a hundredfold. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, we talk to the Late Late Show host James Corden on the unusual year that was hosting his show from his garage and then in a studio with no audience. Later on, we chat with the Kaminsky Method's Kathleen Turner about joining the show and reuniting with co-star Michael Douglas. But first, on the Variety Awards Circuit Roundtable, we wrap up the traditional TV season with a big question mark. It's all next on Variety's Awards Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hey everyone, I'm Variety's Michael Schneider, and welcome to another edition of The Roundtable. We've got, of course, Daniel Terciano joining me. Hey, Danielle. Hi, guys. And Jazz Tanke's back. Hello. And look who's back in the clubhouse. I Janelle knew it. O'Reilly. Janelle O'Reilly. with the cool kids. How great is Janelle? Literally... I asked her a minute ago if she could come join us because we were short a person. And here she is. What a trooper. I, I, I really feel wanted. I really feel like you were, you were just looking for a time to get me on and didn't wait for the last second. No, I mean, I was just, there was a dog asleep on top of me. So other than having to push him off, what else did I have to do? <laughs> yes, oh, my God, that hurts me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wasn't fond of it either. He's pouting in a corner right now. 
Wait, he allowed you to, like, leave him alone fully? It's, it's, oh, I'm definitely making it up to him in a couple hours. <laughs> well, and that is a large dog, too. Like, if, if you want to, like, I don't know how you even move him. Like, you are down for the count, generally, if he, he's on you, so. He is a big boy, as uh, a woman screamed at me when I was walking him yesterday. Ah, look at that fat little dog! Oh, God. Oh, my God. Well, as we're recording this, it is end of May, which used to be a big deal because this, this, I mean, it still is the end of the TV season as we know it. And um, Monday, the the 31st, is the final day of Emmy eligibility because Emmy still adheres to that good old-fashioned broadcast calendar that we all know and love from back in the day. Not that anyone really cares anymore. Nonetheless, I did just post my hot 100 uh, shows of the year and i gotta tell you every year i do this 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 list these numbers just get tinier and tinier and it's shocking it is shocking to see how small year after year these end of year ratings get even for even for shows like you know this is us mass singer uh ncis the big shows are, are seeing massive declines. Football is seeing massive declines. I mean, it's, there's going to be nothing less left in a couple of years. So the ratings get smaller and the number of shows get bigger. I know. It's yeah. just, it's I, also what, what I found depressing was that the top, like three out of the five slots, I believe were football, like not even, we're not even cranking, you know, all of the top 10, top five most important spots for TV. And then, like, when you looked at scripted, it was even fewer because I, a couple of those top 10 spots were, like, Bachelor and Mass Singer. And I was like, well, yes, I get it. But also, I'm sad by it. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the one. So Equalizer, Queen Latifah, all hail the queen. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She has the the biggest new show of the season. It helps when you premiere after the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's funny you say that because um, I know both Jazz and I did Q and A's with her last week. Mine was sort of a more of a producerial thing, and uh, she was just talking about you know uh, premiering after the Super Bowl and how great it is. And I was like, you do realize that you're not on after the Super Bowl every week. Right. That that some of these good ratings are because of you. And she's like, no one has informed me of that. As far as I know, Super Bowl happens every weekend. <laughs> but people genuinely love that show. Like, I was so surprised. Uh, you know, I posted I did the SAG conversation. And when I shared that, people were like, oh, my gosh, I really love this show. Yeah. Like, who are you? Like, It's a really fun show. Yeah. It's, it's funny because whenever I hear that or when I see that on Twitter, I never assume they're watching live. You know, like, I understand why you like this show, but I assume you're watching it on your own time on an app. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe these people that are, like, talking to you are, are actually live viewers, but I have never met a person with a Nielsen box. And, like, the fact that it still matters a little bit, I'm like, I would like to meet a person with a Nielsen box because you are still powerful enough. Clearly. We're still counting these ratings. Like, I just would love... I would love to know who's sitting. If anybody out there is watching live, please tweet me. I would love to know. And I would love to know how that works with your schedule. Because I honestly don't remember the days of when I had the time to, like, drop what I was doing and tune into something live. Like, I kind of miss it. It felt like a quaint time in our lives. Well, it's 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 definitely an older audience that, that's clearly watching these shows live or, or even sort of within the first three days tape delay. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's... Yo, it, it I like appointment that, TV. 
I like having like a certain night of the week to tune into things, but I think Danielle's right. It's it's usually things that you don't want spoiled, like Mayor of Easttown mm. or um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, The Bachelor, things like <laughs> that that you, you have to watch right away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, the, or The Masked Singer. <laughs> so. Right, because otherwise, you know, our, we don't put it in the headline, but we do that immediately after airing. That's Mike does right. it, so here's yeah. who was unmasked. And it's like, well, you know what? Everyone's going to be talking about it, so you might as well see it live and then see why everybody's talking about it. But I mean, the mayor of Easttown is another good example of, of you know, maybe, you know, there, there still is something to be said for somewhat of an appointment TV viewing and, and doling those episodes out week to week. We're still talking about that show so many weeks in. Had they dumped all those episodes all at once, would we still be talking about it now? So it's the age old question that, you know, I don't think it'll ever be answered. What's so interesting about that, though, is people are complaining. They're like, I need the next episode now. Like, they're so used to binge culture. They're like, I don't want to wait till next Sunday. But I love it. Guilty. Yeah. Yeah. I I want all the episodes now. Yeah. Yeah, because it's that whole, like, a la carte thing. Like, you want the option of when to watch it. You know, just because you do give it to me on a binge doesn't mean I will watch it all on on that one day when it comes out. But... You're, you're giving the consumer the option. And like, that's, I think what people are realizing it's, it's a little, maybe a little entitlement, maybe just a little sense of confusion because this is how it's been for so long now. It's like, we're so used to just, here's the episode, here's the season, figure it out yourself. So when it's held back, it feels like almost, I don't know. I don't know if the word I want is unfair. Or I was going to say punishing. It's almost like they're punishing us. No, this is, I thought, this is not I thought unfair was going to be harsh. <laughs> I was just like, this is absolutely like a valid marketing strategy, a valid programming strategy. But I get it from the consumer perspective. It's just like you're so invested in something. And, you know, you also probably want to make sure that you don't get spoiled. Like, what if you can't tune in on the Sunday, you know, the... the, the Sunday, this coming Sunday is the finale and it's a holiday weekend. And like, what if you can't tune in and then you can't be online because your friends yeah, are all going to be talking about it. <laughs> yeah, it was different back in the day when That's we could it. like go to school and like just tell somebody not to talk to you if you hadn't seen something, you know? I'm not even going to make fake guesses because I, I just don't want people angry with me. <laughs> <laughs> I did a fake guess. I did a hot take, I think it was Monday morning. Like, honestly, I was up till three o'clock in the morning thinking, what if Mayor did it? And I had a whole thing, <laughs> scenario, oh my planned God. out in my head to tie it into, like, something to do with my son's suicide and Erin and Jen and I literally got into an argument and she dragged me on Twitter. She was like, no, Mare's a saint. Mare can't be the killer. Mare's anyway. not a saint. Mare plays no, the yeah. on her I was just going to say. Let's, let's, let's be clear. She is probably capable of murder. Like, I, I would not be surprised, but but I don't think she did it because... Uh, see, again, and again, I'm even hesitant to say this, so I'm just going to preface this by saying I know nothing. I These are not spoilers. But I've seen some people say... You don't just cast Guy Pierce and not have him be yes, the killer. Yes. But then they say that about Julianne Nicholson, too. Yes. You don't just cast her and have her sit there and look sad. If this and was so, a procedural on broadcast television, that would right. be the rule. But it's right. HBO. Yeah. Everybody in this show is stellar. So, I, I mean. By the way, I know who did it. It was a Wawa hoagie. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was, it was one of those oh hoagies. <laughs> I'm she, still mad she, that they didn't that like we didn't have a TCA with hoagies. Like they you they would have flown in hoagies if we had had anything in person. Exactly, exactly. Well, so the other show. Speaking of the the list, uh, you know, going back to broadcast TV for a second. Let's let's talk for a moment about Grey's Anatomy, the staying power of that show the fact that it's amazing it's still managing to make headlines uh they, you know as whenever they kill off another character or bring yeah, back a character leaves every week yeah. <laughs> but pretty pretty impressive that it's still in the conversation uh you know as long in the tooth as that show is and it's still one of the top rated shows uh, after all this time um that and ncis which you know NCIS, that's, I think that's just inertia. People just, like, they have the TV on from the last week NCIS was on, and so they watch it again the following week because they never change the channel. But Grey's, it's, it, it's still pretty impressive. Um, and it does bring up a good question of, you know, we've, we've gotten past the point of, of shows like Grey's or NCIS even being considered for Emmys or awards, but why not? Do you think there there's a world where maybe there is another award show or categories that are created to recognize these workhorse shows that people love, they adore, but just aren't in the same league as prestige dramas or... Or are they just not meant to get awards? Oh, no. Uh, you just gave me a heart attack by when you said another award show. I, was like, <laughs> no, I just, Mike, no, don't put that in the universe. I did hear that this year they will be broadcasting the first annual Montgomery Burns Award for Outstanding Achievement in the Field of Excellence. So we'll have another TV show. Yes. I actually think Grey's Anatomy is a prestige award show. It's just been around for so long and the Emmys have short attention spans. You know, they they love a show for like the first... You know, if it's Mad Men or This Is Us, you'll get five years out of it. But really, after like three years, it seems like shows kind of drop off their radar. It's like they stop watching all of a sudden. It's like, But then if you have an Emmys event, they could show up there and that would... You want to bring me back to Grey's Anatomy? Bring back Uh-oh. Brooke Smith. I, I, just, I just hate that her character walked to her car one day and we never saw her again. And that was, what, like 12 years ago? Oh, my God. I was going to say, wow. I mean, yeah. even that was like a lifetime ago. Oh, my gosh. Ago. I do not like unresolved things. Bring back Addison Montgomery and then I'll start tuning in again. Are you referring to Big Skies, Brooke Smith? I am. I mean, she's so done Brooke a million Smith. other things. But yeah, <laughs> this season. We know this she's season. Big Skies, Brooke Smith, because of her aggressive solo campaign, which... Uh, admittedly, is sort of working. Uh, she's. I like, gotta be honest. I, I kind of loved that campaign because I, I loved that she was it. willing to say they're not backing me, and so I'm gonna do this myself. Because so many people in this business will not admit who they're like to the other people on the show, who they're putting the money behind, and what they're doing. And so it does, you know, in this world of a huge volume of series than huge volume of performers, it leaves a lot of people on the sidelines. And, you know, there are a lot of people who probably would get a little bit more notice if there was some muscle behind them. Yeah. Look at, remember Gwendolyn Christie having to submit Mm -hmm. herself for Game of Thrones when Mm -hmm. that should be a slam dunk? Mm -hmm. They just have a ginormous cast, you know? Yeah. Like you, you get it on both sides. And like for Brooke Smith to be like, Hey, I'm proud of my work. We all know that campaigning is a part of this. I'm not going to pretend like I don't want it. Like, yeah. I'm here. I, I kind of respect it. 
Because the opposite is like, the ha- look at how many people just don't campaign and then or say they just don't, expect but, it. Or, yeah. well, no, because doing these issues, I know some people who just won't do anything. Sure, sure. But then still expect. Like, I don't need to campaign. You're going to put me there anyway. And like, I, I much prefer the person who is like, no, exactly what you just said. I'm proud of my work. I want you to be aware of it. Than just the, I, I feel like I deserve this without even trying. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe uh, hire David Lynch and a cow to sort of <laughs> sit at a street corner to to make make some noise. Um, so, Janelle, is there anything that uh, you have watched uh, uh, maybe recently over the past couple of months that you're you're sort of rooting for that you're hoping might uh, get some Emmy attention? Oh, you know, this is sort of silly, but like I've been watching Saturday Night Live. That's that's one of my appointment TV. And please correct me if I butcher his name. Reggae Jean Page. Mm. He should be a guest actor Emmy for that performance. He was so game for anything. And I know that they tend to nominate like stand up comedians who like come in. But I thought he stood out for the whole season. I thought he was wonderful and goofy and fun and um, yeah, and all the adjectives, honestly. And I also, I really like Bridgerton as a show. This is not just a Reggae John Paul thing. Um, Paige. I would love to yeah. see Paige. <laughs> Paige, thank you. I would love to see, um, Nicola, N- Nicola Coughlin, who played mm-hmm. Penelope. I would love to see her recognized. I think she's so amazing. Um, there's so much good stuff out there. I would love to see Cobra Kai. Mm, break yes. in you know <laughs> i think william zapka blowing my mind how Why? many people at variety this year is like that tooting the being like <laughs> ringing the bell for cobra kai i was like first of all where were you guys in season one and two because this show has been around for three years right. but yes it's, but it's i didn't also own youtube red let's be honest well i think that's the answer yeah <laughs> did exactly. anyone that's exactly the answer but but it's just blowing my mind because, you know, between you and, and Clayton and, and Mike, there are different, there are multiple um, pieces in the works. I was like, what day is this coming out? Because I was like, some of it might right. already be out. Um, well, it's just we're all talking about it. And you haven't even mentioned like uh, Cobra Kai fan number one, Joe Otterson. Who, so, so there's a, there's a strong <laughs> bench of Cobra Kai fans uh, inside the variety offices. Also, um, I think that we should just start referring to supporting actor in a limited series or movie as Bill Camp's Emmy. Um, I don't want to see anyone else come That's on. <laughs> a hard category. It's so hard. There are I mean, so he's many. fantastic, but like, look fantastic. at the sheer volume of people from Underground Railroad. Well, yeah, right. and also, obviously, Donald Sutherland. I actually right. think Noah Jupe is equally as good as Donald Sutherland in The Undoing. I don't think he'll get as much yeah. attention, though. No, no, he just won't. Yeah. You know, and I and I get it. Donald Sutherland is Donald Sutherland, and it's a showy role. But I just want people to remember Bill Camp. I mean, the fact that he got nominated for a SAG Award, mm-hmm. when really supporting roles usually don't because there isn't a supporting category. Is and By the way, that guy pops up on my TV, like, once a day. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be scrolling through the channels, like, <laughs> Bill Camp in a Western. Oh, Bill Camp in a comedy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good on him. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah. No, there, there, there's work to be had to be a character actor. Yeah. It's, that's, you know, good, and good work if you can get it. Obviously, throwing out my love for the Marvel shows, I actually really love Falcon and Winter Soldier. And uh, WandaVision, even though it's going limited series, this is where, you know, I have another concern because um, Elizabeth Olsen, 
obviously so fantastic, but she's going up against Anya Taylor-Joy and Kate Winslet. And, and then there's Catherine Hahn in supporting going up against Jean Smart, but Jean Smart is also amazing in Hacks. And there's so much good stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's why maybe we do need another award show, just like to spill it over. <laughs> well, none the of the things that, we ju- that she just mentioned would have been in your other award show. She this didn't mention one broadcast show. <laughs> I know. Saturday I... Night Live. Saturday Night Live oh, is a broadcast show. Yeah, but like that's not in the, the main... Ca- like, I don't know. I feel like because it's a, a variety uh, series, it's it's a little bit different. Obviously for the actors, because they compete in, in the supporting categories, it crosses. But I don't know. Janelle, I thought you were going to mention Ted Lasso at some point. Oh, well, that's just an, I mean, that just goes without, literally goes without saying. Yeah, that's a gimme. Of course, Ted Lasso. That's a gimme. Yeah. Um, And and like, and just nominate every, the the, the entire supporting actor in a comedy series category could be filled out with just Ted Lasso people. The Lassos. Just call it the Lassos. (laughs) No, it's the Diamond Dogs. But uh, yeah, exactly. But go- going back to the, the broadcast, uh, uh, may- maybe you just do like a Dick Wolf Emmys and it's just like, <laughs> like award like from, from the nine shows or maybe it's a franchise Emmys and you, you pit FBI against NCIS. You know against... what? That, I would watch that franchise. Emmys. <laughs> yeah. I would watch that. Yes. Yeah. The procedure Emmys. I'll, I'll work. I, I need to workshop that. Um, Daniel, Janelle brought up something that actually, uh, she, SNL and the guest uh, uh, category. You watch every episode. Um, your take on, on which hosts this past year are probably most likely to yeah, get a guest Yeah, it's hard to say most likely for me because, you know, Janelle brought up a good point with, you know, how they've historically voted versus maybe what I want to see happen. Um, you know, one of the things I thought was crazy was when Keegan-Michael Key hosted like nobody was talking about the fact that he was on mad TV for years. Like we just rewrote his history (laughs) and people were like key and peel. So he's going to be good. And like, yes, that's true. But also he had this added belt of a bench of knowledge. And so I I actually thought his episode was the best one. He's a delight. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, I mean, he has that innate timing from having done it for so long that it just felt so natural. I thought Anya was really good on the season finale she as well. Yeah. Some of the sketches they gave her were not great, well, they but also she did a really good job with cast that. her in better roles. Like they had That's that what sketch I mean, yeah. where the, yeah, the guy shoots himself. Like why wasn't she the daughter in that sketch instead point. of the doctor with two lines? <laughs> yeah. But that it's is always a good point. N- always not unexpected and, and nice when you see someone who you don't know for comedy actually yeah. pulling mm-hmm. it off. Well, yeah. I, I do think it's interesting that recently they've had these, these stars on who are known for certain shows, but for the most part, I mean, I, I guess they did do a brief Bridgerton uh, sketch uh, with Reggae Jean Page, but for example, they didn't do a Queen's Gambit other than like a brief thing in her the opening. Monologue. Monologue. They did one that was yeah. cut. There's one on the on their YouTube, um, and oh, it's, how it's interesting. It's not. It's more. Every cast member comes in to pitch her the Queen's Gambit sketch, and she's rejecting all the sketches. And oh, then so at the end, she's, she calls mm-hmm. Netflix and is like, "I've got your season two. So <laughs> it's not quite. Yeah. It's you know, but it, but it was cute, and like they did a lot of VFX work to like kind of show what these things would be. Um, cause they were all just insane. Um, their cut sketches are usually the best part of the show. I totally. don't, think, I just saw the cut one from Keegan, Michael Key, where he's like creeping on some girls at a bar and sending them oysters. Oh, I don't and, think I saw that one. Oh my God. It's him and Bowen Yang as like weirdos at a bar. Oh my. And it's 
Like, it's funnier than just about anything that was on his episode, <laughs> with the exception of the Muppets. Yeah, I, I, I felt like they underutilized Keegan Michael Key. Like there, there was so much more they could have done with him. I mean, because he is, he's got such range and he's so versatile, and and he didn't show up in every sketch. I was a little disappointed that they didn't, they didn't use him more. There wasn't a sketch we were really just talking about the next day, saying, "Oh man, you got to go back and watch this," which is too bad. Now, as long as Elon Musk is not nominated uh, as a <laughs> guest actor, then I'm I think that's a win. Anything? <laughs> Do not. Can I say Daniel Kaluuya was brilliant though? Oh God, he's yeah. so good. Yeah, he, that's he was yeah. so good. He was so good next to Reggae. Like he's, I think that was probably my favorite like host moment. He's so committed, even in his sketch roles, like when he plays the the Ugandan father, mm-hmm. like his body yeah. language, the way he shuffles in a room, the way he sits. It's, it kind of reminded me when Patrick Stewart played the devil in the sketch years ago, and he was so convincing as the devil, it almost wasn't funny. Like hmm. you were watching a Shakespearean <laughs> performance <laughs> in a sketch. Well, I am. Uh, I'm worried that we're going to be losing some some great players uh, for for next season. And and yeah, SNL has always managed to, you know, eventually they they do have those dark years, and we may be entering a dark year next year. Although I hope not, because we still have amazing folks like Bowen Yang. But they got Bowen. But nonetheless, if they lose. Uh, you know, as, as many people as we fear they may, then next year's going to be, it's going to be odd. It's going to be different. As long as they don't lose Keenan, right? They, the, Keenan Thompson is <laughs> never <laughs> leaving us in Bless him. And Chris Red. Chris Red will just bug his eyes out on camera and I start laughing yeah. my ass off. He's so funny. Yeah, yeah. I would love to know, I don't know if you guys talked about this or not, but something that surprised me was Mom ended its run mm. with zero fanfare. I don't know that that surprised me. It, it always felt like to me the show that like didn't get as much attention as maybe it should have. You know, I mean, I think they were doing really good things with the way that they depicted the recovery process. I think other shows have failed miserably in that area, but I feel like it was always kind of one of those quieter, especially compared to Big Bang. <laughs> Well, something, and, and Daniel, maybe you know the answer to this. I was surprised that there was no talk of, uh, like, Anna Faris showing up for the mm. finale, making some sort of cameo, like, kind of just wrapping it up somehow. And, and no one made a big deal about that either. Like, Anya Faris isn't returning. Right. What's up with we that? We didn't either, yeah. Yeah, and, and so I'm kind of intrigued that everyone sort of just sort of let it go. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the producers had spoken about, you know, kind of giving her her happy ending in a sense, like showing she was going to be okay by, by her being in this school now and, and going off and, and making a professional life for herself. And they referenced her in the final season as being in a relationship. And so they, because they had spoken about that again, kind of quietly, because it's not like they were making headlines on every publication um, that kind of felt like enough for this audience. Like it didn't feel, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe these people are out there and they're just not in my orbit, but it never really felt like there was like a rabid, I don't know what the word I want is. Yeah. Appetite. But, and and you're, you're, you're writing that maybe the show had evolved so much that it wasn't about that mother daughter relationship anymore by, by the end, it was about the support group and, and, and that cast. So maybe just didn't feel like it was even a big deal that she didn't show up. Yeah. I didn't even know it was the last episode when I was watching it. That's oh. like how quiet they were about it. There was no like we it, wrote the whole about thing it. Just, just 
<laughs> and Janelle, I know you're bummed that Last Man Standing's also over, but you'll have plenty of Tim Allen to go back and watch. So just you can go binge it at any time. No so. assembly required. Is that the is that the, the reality show? Which one? He has that reality show with um, Richard from Home, Imp- Home Improvement, oh, and I, oh, I yeah. might be butchering the name of it. It was um, I thought it was No Assembly Required, but I might I might have the, fr- the part of that wrong. Well, we'll we'll fix it in post. It's great. We're getting yelled at on the internet. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> you mean the guy who played Al on Home yeah, Improvement, Richard Carn? Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't see. I didn't even know that existed. Mm-hmm. By the way, Jay Leno was basically a regular in the last season of Last Man Standing. That was another thing really? that's just people didn't really notice. But there was a lot of Leno in that final season. Oh, you know what? I can't believe I forgot. I I left off is uh, Zoe's extraordinary playlist, mm. which is. Just I I just find charming as hell. Well, we're still on Zoe's watch. Still don't know All the right, fate so of that show. Like, no, we got a broadcast so one frustrating. <laughs> I just think nobody like nobody else is doing what Jane Levy is doing on that show. Yeah, you know she's she's phenomenal. She's such a talent. Well, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed that'll uh, get more attention. But uh, for now, I think we're going to leave it to the episode at hand. Uh, so thank you so much, Janelle, for joining our little clubhouse uh, this week. Thanks, cool kids. Danielle <laughs> and Jazz, I will see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye. It's Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. A few weeks ago, James Corden, his band, and his writers were having a laugh about a new hotel chain that superstar music producer Pharrell Williams was opening. That led them down the rabbit hole of discussing what celebrity they'd actually like to see open a hotel. Drummer Guillermo suggested Oprah Winfrey and even had a name for it, the Hotel. Suddenly, they were egging Corden on to pitch it to Oprah, and on a whim, he found her number on his phone. And oh, by the way, this all happened on camera. Hang on, have I got her number? <gasps> she did call me and I saved it. Should we call her? Yes. Should I call it? Yeah. Should I call sure. it? Sure, yeah. I, ch- I honestly don't know if this is her number or like an assistant's number. There's a no caller ID calling back. Oh, it's gone. Answer it. It's gone, disappeared. Oh my God, should I try it again? Yeah, call, call it again. Yes. I can't. Oh, this is crazy. This is madness. Hello. Oprah. Hello. Is that Oprah? It's Oprah. Oprah, it's James Corden. Look at you. Hey, babe. I've got to be completely transparent with you, Oprah. We're, we're taping a show at the moment, so you're on loudspeaker. Is this okay? I'm on loudspeaker. You're on loudspeaker okay. on the Late Late Show, and I'm calling because we think we've had an idea that could make you billions of dollars. <laughs> And we think it's so good, we couldn't wait to tell you. Okay. This is from, come from Guillermo, our drummer, right? And we think you should launch a range of O-Tells. What? <laughs> a year since the COVID-19 pandemic forced talk shows to pivot, they've managed to shake up the form in new ways, including a lack of a studio audience and a looser, casual feel among some hosts. Others have tweaked their formats while still leaning into the reality of the situation. Corden and his team have embraced a freeform opening, and it's become his favorite part of the show. 
Corden, who can still also be seen this week hosting HBO Max's Friends reunion, has still managed to do some fun things on his show, including taking Prince Harry on a bus tour of Los Angeles and interacting with The Weeknd on the eve of the Super Bowl. I sat down recently with Corden to discuss this most unusual year, and we began by discussing what inspired the way The Late Late Show has found new ways to mix things up. I think a lot of our thoughts came from thinking, well, what can't people do right now? You can't meet up in a bar, in a pub, at a, wherever you would see your friends around at their house. You can't do these things. And our thing always is we, we just want to be like, we've always wanted to be just a, a little bit of sort of light and levity at the end of the day. And so really we thought, well, why don't, if we can be a group of people that people check in with, every night and I've never wanted the show to be me I talk you listen because that's just not who I am I don't consider myself a, a broadcaster in that way our show has always been about um collaboration and sharing the whole show with people whether that's the big things that we shoot out on a crosswalk or in a car with people or the sketches that we do, it's always a collaborative show. And so we just wanted to keep the essence of that really and be like, well, we'll just, we'll just be as true and honest to ourselves as we can. And I mean, the reaction we've had from people is quite extraordinary in how much they've been enjoying it. It's, um, it's been lovely to see and, you know, running things over a week and checking in and talking back on how stuff goes. And so much of the show is unplanned. It just, there's just no planning to it because yeah. we don't want it to feel orchestrated in any way. Um, we want it to just be completely organic. And I have to say, I've, I've really loved doing it in a way because I don't really ever know what's going to happen. The amount of times we've had stuff for the show that's going to go like in the back of part one or in part two that we go, well, we don't have time to do that today because the monologue was 18 minutes. Yeah. You just end up in a conversation with Mark on the jib or Pete on camera three or Ian and Lauren, Reggie, Hagar, the band, everything. We, that, that has always been the spirit of our show, always. And so for that to just be, for everybody to just be themselves on camera has been a thrill I've, I've really loved it yeah yeah and i think that goes back to you know the, the comfort food that we're talking about it does feel nice to just see everyone conversing with each other and i mean reggie eating salad on camera and the band opening their sodas it's <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you don't really see that on tv so it's kind of just like that's fun it's like we're hanging i'm hanging out with some buddies well, that's all we really want it to be. We really, really want the show to feel like it, it is an incredibly relaxed environment. And that goes back to, you know, when we had an audience of bringing all our guests out at the same time and it feeling like a cocktail party, an after party, that sort of thing. That's, that's all we've ever wanted, really. Um, and while we can't do the sort of big, ambitious things that we normally do it doesn't mean we have to lose the spirit of what we want the show to always be yeah yeah well a good example of something that you would do randomly at a cocktail party is hey, let's let's call oprah let's ah. let's just let's just call oprah 
Walk me through that. Like what? <laughs> There's nothing to walk through. You saw it. Everything you saw is completely real. That was yeah. That was that was absolutely it. That was everything. Like, and that's that's it. It was it was it was. There was not one second of it was planned in any way. Like, and yeah, and God bless her for answering and then and then she takes me and sent me a text saying i never answer the phone to numbers i don't know i have no idea what i was thinking i just felt i should answer it and then she said i actually think it's quite a good idea hotels and it's crazy like it's just <laughs> it's it's a it's that's but that freedom to feel like we are all protected when we're in our studio that that if she hadn't answered if if it had gone to voice or whatever it was i mean at the first time we called her it went to a voicemail and we turned it off. Then I had a callback from a missed, from a, you know, no ID number. And we were like, sure. And that, everything you saw happening on the TV, that that was it from start to finish. There was no, I actually, I didn't know that I, I only remembered at that moment then that I had her phone number. Yeah. Which I know sounds ridiculous, but that is true. But I mean, it's, it's, uh, that's one of those magical moments. Um, and, and, fun to see what sort of when when something like that is happening like in the studio is there like do you, are, are you sort of like nodding uh at rob or 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 whoever else is is, is there sort of a, a shorthand now that everyone has like let's 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 keep going with this this is this is magic this is working are you kind of just sense it or what's 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 that moment like when you sort of jump on something and it's working and 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 well you can tell if it feels fun and alive in the studio you know that's that's how you can tell when you look at like cc or dave or guillermo and they're cracking up thinking i can't believe this i mean that's when you keep going with stuff and mostly we, we, we you know the the honesty to the audience to go we can't believe this is on tv like we're with you we are and that's i think our thing that we always want to be if there's a line between the audience and the people on TV, we always want to be this side. We're with them. We want to go, we, we sort of can't believe that this is on TV. Like um, Ben sent me a, a write-up that someone wrote about a bit we did last week, and it said it felt like, uh, it felt like a group of kids asking their teacher if they could do they could do their school lessons outside in the yard. And that that is what it feels like. We just... We're this little show with, you know, big ambitions, but we don't ever want to take for granted the absolute luxury to have an hour of television to fill every night. And look, there's loads of things that we can't do and we can't film at the moment. So what can we do? And this is what we can do. Yeah. Yeah. We'll try and make it fun, you know? Yeah. And I think the 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 clip that Ben sent over was probably about Nick Bernstein, who yeah. I've known forever. Lovely man. That that hair, like that, <laughs> that hair, is ridiculous. I I've never Crazy. seen him with hair like that. So <laughs> it's extraordinary what's happened there. Yeah. Um. So so there's that, and then just the the putting him on an increasingly taller chair every day. It's just. It's just but then that that happened organically <laughs> on the Monday. So we decided where should we put Nick, and we'll put him on behind the bar. And I had said to Ben on the Sunday we should try and put him on a really high chair. <laughs> just so it's awkward. And then we just decided, well, why don't we just raise him up throughout the, the week? And, you know, look, when I was growing up listening to, to like 
Chris Evans on the radio, which won't mean a lot to any American um, viewers, but but for me, he you know he was sort of the closest that we had to kind of that early Howard Stern sort of feeling on a breakfast show, and there was always something brilliant about when they were taking on their bosses in some way in yeah. a light-hearted way that and and you know Nick is absolutely just just a member of our team he just he's a, a joy to work with and the fact that he hadn't been allowed back in the building because obviously the, the protocols just have, have changed every sort of few months as to who can come in the fact that it was his first day back we thought well wouldn't it be really fun just to put him on as to raise him up throughout the week but then also then just having this fun with him of you know because he deals with all of the ad integrations and stuff like that like it was I just it felt so fun it felt so mischievous that's really what we want the show to feel like. yeah and and people are in on it I was you know ta- talking to my parents and they're like you know this guy Nick Bernstein like he's a, he's a star now are you serious? <laughs> that's hilarious it's like yeah I know Nick and they're like yeah, they keep putting him on a taller chair, and what's the deal with his hair? And like, yeah, I, I, I wish I could grow hair like that, but you know, we. <laughs> but I think that might be the next thing we have to do is maybe cut his hair on the air. I think, I, I think that might be. But we'll that find he, a way for it to be to, to to for it to organically come up. We'll oh, now that he's a sort of an on-camera member of of the team, I, I think absolutely. I think America demands to see you shave, and it's got to be you shaving his head well i wonder if if to celebrate america reopening we should all get a lock of his hair (laughs) (laughs) to carry on keyring yeah yeah through the summer break yeah a little little box who knows um well so you know luckily you have been able to go out every once in a while and of course the prince harry bus ride was pretty astounding uh including you know going to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air's house was uh, sort of just amazing. Um, talk a little bit about that. It was sort of a nice respite, I think, probably for him as well, given all the craziness that was surrounding uh, what they were going through. Sort of nice for for him to have just a fun chat with you and and um, as a contrast to the all the controversy and everything else going on with the two of them. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I have known Harry for a good few years now, um, you know, when we both lived in London and um, I'm, I'm incredibly fond of, of him, incredibly fond of both of them. Um, I've obviously known Harry longer and um, and we've been talking for a while about doing something on the show and and he was, yeah, he, he was really into the, the whole idea of, doing it so we pitched in this idea and he loved it he had very few notes he was like well, when can we film it so we had to then you know then there was a lot of safety and when would when would it be the safest time to do such a thing and stuff and and then we were very keen not to um it was very, a very conscious decision on our part as a show not to publicize such a thing because just the very nature of public interest in them as figures leads to a huge amount of uh, dialogue when people haven't seen the very thing that you're shooting. And we, we felt like we were shooting something which absolutely showed the person that, 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 that we know in, in a really 
in a really true and positive light. Yeah. So we never announced it. We never publicized it in any way. We just put it out on a Thursday night. And what was great about that was it meant that anybody, you just had to watch it to then make up your mind about it. Whereas I think there's some elements of their lives where people make up their mind before seeing anything, you know? And I'm really proud of it. It was the kind of our show at its best, really. It was, it was, it had great elements of, of fun and, and comedy. I felt like you saw him, the, the truest version of, of him. That, that, that uh, that's certainly the, the person that I have known all this time. And mostly, it was a very uplifting piece of television. And so we're, we're very, we're very proud of that. We're very proud that the first time either of either him or the Duchess spoke the first time they spoke, you know, kind of on television was with us at our show. I mean, that's not really something you would equate with traditionally being a a sort of 12.30 slot thing on CBS, but we're very proud that he would do such a thing with us always. We will be. Yeah. And, and there was something also just really nice in, in seeing the, the moment when you guys are in front of the, the Fresh Prince house and you dial up the, the Duchess and mm. and she's sort of like, you know, they're, they're just having fun back and forth. Like, what are you doing here? And, and you know, it's the, it, this playfulness that was sort of fun to, to see as, as well. Um, yeah, I, I think it was just that's all we ever want to do on the show, whether that's just guests are on the studio or or uh, guests who shoot, you know, the carpools or anything like that, or anything like that. We we never want to be a, a place with sort of edge or spite or the notion that we might be trying to catch people out. We just um, we just always want people to shine in in the best way that they can, and I think that that segment is a a good example of that. So um, and and uh, you know, you you had a you know, several of these highlights through the year. What was the, the weekend like in, in terms of being a comedy partner? Like, uh, that was great. That was fantastic. I mean, again, like that, he, he just doesn't really do stuff like that ever, you know? And, uh, I think because the Super Bowl was on the same network, I'm not sure how it, how it came about, but he was very adamant that he wanted to shoot a, a sketch type thing with us rather than a, a sort of straight interview. And I was blown away by him, actually. I, I'd never, I'd never really, I'd met him once very, very briefly. And I was completely taken with him, with his whole attitude to work. Well, the, the most amazing thing I could say is I was waiting outside and I was dressed in all the bandages and, you know, in the clothes. And he arrived and, I don't know, I must have spent a good few hours of my life st- stood places waiting for big, you know, global superstar singers and rock stars to arrive and he arrived and said the first thing he said was oh my god am i late and i was like no you're you're early i'm just waiting outside because it's there's all manner of covid protocols and i think that's the first time i've ever heard a star of that magnitude be worried about whether they might be late or on time or not you know and uh, and that that is really who he is i was i was really taken by him and i know he really enjoyed doing it and was very proud of the sketch you know it was it was great yeah no it was again we got to see another side of him uh, that we hadn't really seen before it's like oh he actually is a funny dude i, I didn't know that about Not the sure. weekend you know oh no question yeah so um 
So what, uh, I'm sure you're, even though you're having fun with sort of playing with the form right now, I, I'm sure you're anxious to get back to, you know, doing more bits, doing more outdoor stuff, having an audience again. What's, uh, you kind of get a sense of when that might be happening or, or what, are, what are you sort of your hopes in, in getting back to a little bit of, of the way it used to be? I've no idea, to be honest. I, I've really no idea whatsoever. I, I don't know. I don't feel in any rush to, to do such a thing. Um I'm not sort of dying for an audience in our studio. And so, I'm, you know, I, I, I would love to have an audience back in some form, but I would really like to try to protect the sort of first 10 or 15 minutes of the show that we found in this past 12 months. Uh, I think that's really important that we find a way to do that. Um, and, you know, hopefully by the end of the year, we would be able to to be, you know, singing in cars with people and, and doing those big sort of sketches and things that, that we traditionally normally do. That would be, that would be great. I would really like to do that. But uh, past that, I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I don't feel in a, in a huge rush. I'm not sort of, when will they let us have people back in? I, I, I just think, I just think it the most important thing is that it's just really safe. Yeah. It's just really safe. I think there's no point sort of, there's no point running down a road to then realize you might have gone too fast. So I don't, uh, yeah, it's not on my mind at all, really. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like, I mean, the show has evolved. There are elements now that you're going to want to keep. Yes. Yeah, there really are all that, that, that sort of sense of freedom, that, that, that loose, opening of the show we, we've really got to try for, to find a way to to protect that because i think it really is what we really want it to feel like in that studio yeah so how are you feeling now about uh, you know several years in there's there's always a question of uh you know what's uh Jane, you know su- international superstar james corden uh you know is 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 he in for the long haul on the show? Is he sort of thinking about what the next steps are? Are you still enjoying this? What's what's your feeling? Oh, I'm really enjoying it. It will never be about enjoyment. I don't know the answer. I don't know. I, I do find it funny when people, and I understand why, would ask me such questions of, of, of how long I would. Yeah. So people say to me, how long are you going to do this for? And I always just go, well, I didn't, I didn't, no one's told me that that's my decision. Like I didn't, I didn't know that I didn't know that I could just sort of trigger my contract extensions or anything like that. I don't really know. Um, I'm in no rush to, to do anything right now. I don't, I don't know when my contract's up. Even <laughs> I don't know if it's next year or the year after. I'm not really sure. Um, it will never be about, you know, Oh, am I still enjoying the show? Because I, love it i love it i just i love doing it I, I consider it an absolute privilege to be able to do such a thing i don't i don't know i, I don't know what happened that, that something like this would would come my way and i know that that sounds saccharine and i know that that sounds kind of twee somehow but i that i i genuinely mean it from the bottom of my heart i don't i don't know what i've done to deserve such memories that's how I feel every day. I just think all of these memories that I'm collecting are extraordinary. Um, 
So I, in truth, of, 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 of where after that, I, I don't know. Is the honest answer? I really don't know. I'm certainly not thinking about stopping anytime soon. But I, I have no idea. There's just other factors as well. There's our children. There's our there's grandparents and friends and things that are getting older and education and for small people and all. There's all conversations like that. Yeah. But all of those. We'll, we'll, I always say to, to Julia, my wife, we'll, we'll we'll cross or we'll burn that bridge when we get to it, you know. But I do know that this is, I, I treasure this so much. I treasure every second of it. I just adore doing it. I really, really do. And, and uh, yeah, and by the way, that's that's the insurance question that we always have to ask, just in case next week you announce something and people are like, "Why didn't you ask Corden? You were talking to him a week ago." That's not going to happen. <laughs> don't worry, you, you're, you're completely safe in that sense, um, as far as I know. So when you when you kind of look back at the year, at this crazy year, doing the show from home part of the time, doing yeah. it back in the studio, what do you think are going to be some of the the long-term memories when you sort of like think about this, this unusual year of, of doing the late, late show. Well, it's just reaffirmed to me, if I'm honest, with regards to the show, it's reaffirmed to me what I always knew, but that it's reaffirmed to me that I, I go, I'm lucky enough to go to work with the kindest and nicest friendliest group of people I could ever wish to be at work with. I just, I just never, ever, I always knew that that was the case, but this past 12 months, the way that we all dug in together, you know, doing the show in my garage, moving the show to the studio, having a COVID scare and doing four shows from a hotel room remotely while everybody else was here doing the show back in my garage in January, coming back into the studio. Like this, this group of people that I get to work with every day is they are, they are so brilliant and however good they are at their jobs, which is extraordinary. They, their professionalism, their dedication to the show is, is outrageous. Who they are as people and the way that we have bound together really in this group and, this safe, protective bubble of nobody really doing anything that might put anybody else at risk in any ways. Uh, I just, it's my love for them has grown a hundredfold. And I look forward to seeing all of them. Like when I come back in on a Monday, when we've not been there on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm excited to find out tonight what Pete got up to at the weekend. And yeah, uh, I, I just, I just feel so fortunate to go to work with such a group of dedicated and professional and respectful people. By the way, have you gotten your garage back or is it still set up as the just, secondary? Just, just, we've just taken the last stuff out of it, like the foosball table that was in there from the show and the pieces of art and things. We've just got it back. There is now space for a car. That's James Corden, host of CBS's The Late Late Show with James Corden. And after the break, Kathleen Turner joins Netflix's The Kaminsky Method in time for its final season. 
From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. It's the Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. On the third and final season of The Kaminsky Method, life only becomes more complicated for Sandy, played by Michael Douglas, with the arrival of his ex-wife, Roz, played by Academy Award nominee Kathleen Turner. The pair's famously volatile relationship is further inflamed when she comes to L.A. to spend time with their daughter Mindy, played by Sarah Baker, and her boyfriend Martin, played by Paul Reiser. Variety's Jazz Tanke caught up with Turner to discuss her reunion with Douglas, her co-star on Romancing the Stone, Jewel of the Nile, and The War of the Roses, and what to expect this final season. They began by discussing how much Turner and Douglas have kept in touch over their 40-year friendship. Michael moved back to the East Coast, you know, mm. some years ago. And uh, when he comes into the city, sometimes we have lunch and stuff because he's he's up he's up in the Hudson Valley. And uh, so, yeah, he gives me a call occasionally to to me when he's coming in. Well, he used to be when he came into theater, you know, for a matinee. Mm. But of course, we, we don't do that anymore because there is no theater. Yeah. That is heartbreaking to me. That is my real, you know, that's my real home. So I know you had your one room show in January 2020, right before the lockdown. I've lost all sense of time, but I that was right yeah. before the lockdown. Yes, yeah, it was a show I created. Um, and my first venture, you know, singing in public. Which, well, all right, I did do Mother Courage, and there's, you know, there's singing in that, but um, it's all part of this huge tapestry. This is just, you know, this is just me. And, uh, it, you know, part of me thought, well, it's, you know, it's it's time to try something new. It's time to see, you know, where I can go and grow. Uh, on the other hand, part of me is like going, who, what do you think you're doing here? You know, <laughs> but, but I really did enjoy it. And I had a lovely group of mus- musicians. I mean, we're going to continue the show when we can. Yeah. Um, and I, I just find it an extraordinary experience. This, this uh, one-on-one with the audience like this. I mean, I've done, uh, single woman shows before the Molly Ivans, yeah. which I adore, and I'll still do. I'll still do that one again. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, that's just. I did the Joan Didion, you know, the year of 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 uh, magical thinking, the year of um, Heaven's Betsy. Now, anyway, um, I love, you know, having such a a connection to the audience of doing away with the fourth wall. But even so, those shows are are someone else's writing, someone else's words, and this one is just mine. So it's quite wonderful and scary. You know, why is it that theatre 
for the longest time has had the most amazing roles for women. And, you know, you look at Hollywood and yeah. don't even know where they're so far behind. It, it's they're completely different worlds. Um, and, you know, you talk about your love of theater. There. Uh, well, I always knew even when I, you know, during through the 80s, when I was, you know, doing films back to back, that the real future for, for me and for the roles, the great roles was in theater, you know, roles like Martha and Virginia Woolf or, or I guess well, the first time I came back to Broadway was Cat in a Hot Tin Roof, you know, oh. playing Maggie, which is a marvelous, marvelous role. Uh, Mother Courage. Uh, these characters are just, are meat, you know? Yeah. I, I, I think that in film and in TV, they don't have the time to to write characters like that. I mean, God knows how long it took Albie or Tennessee Williams or Shaw to write these, you know, extraordinary women. And um, as usual, our country does not value women as highly as men uh, in healthcare, in education, in uh, professionalism. Uh, so I think that, uh, you know, they just don't make the investment in television and stuff that they do in theater. But I'm going to jump back to the Kaminsky method. And when that show first aired, I guess three years ago now, it was such a breath of fresh air to see that. And then, you know, we start this season off with, you know, we've already mentioned that opening line. Um, and then there's another line where, you know, I think Roz, your character says to know you is to divorce you or, or, or my yes. character says that it's, I mean, what yes, was that? I, like? love, I love the line where she says, you know, your mother told me not to marry you. That it, it was such a great exchange. I mean, what was it like to, to, to be on the show, but, you know, to come back to L.A.? Uh, well, I'm not a fan of L.A. You know, I I don't understand spending hours in the car every day. I find this incredibly boring and isolating. Uh, I'm always lonely in Los Angeles. And, and then to shoot under the COVID protocols so that you couldn't have lunch together, you couldn't stay in the same room uh, if you weren't, actually shooting or rehearsing on set, it was sort of emphasized the loneliness even more. Uh, um, you know, I've never, to be fair, I've never really invested in living in Los Angeles. When, when I was doing films, I would, um, you know, I'd rent a house for a few months. And then as soon as the film was over, I would get back to New York. Largely because my husband's job was New York and because to me, New York is is um, is the only place really in our country. Well, maybe Chicago, but um, where, you know, you walk down the street and you're on the same block as people of every background, every financial situation, every, you know, religion. It's it's the most wonderful melange that uh that we have in our country. I know I, I I miss New York because for the same reason I grew up in London, straight from London to LA, and what a culture shock that is. <laughs> 
I was like, well, like, I grew up in London. Right. So you, you know, know, I grew up in London. Yeah. Yeah. But I ended up in Missouri. Now talk about culture shock. What What brought you to Missouri? My father died very suddenly and we had not lived in the United States for years. And so we went to my mother's parents in Springfield, Missouri. Wow. That, yes, that would have been a bigger culture shock. Yeah. Back Going, to community. But no, I, I want to talk about it because I love Roz and I love the dynamic that she brought into the show. Um, I mean, what was it, you know, what was that like, you know, working with Michael again on this and having those, that answer that, you know, it, it was a throwback to, you know, this incredible dynamic chemistry that you had years ago. And it's, it's just like, wow. Yeah. Like, talk, uh, yeah. Still there. You know, in a way, I'm not sure that either of us can really explain it, but in a way, we're just so familiar with each other's rhythms and uh, thoughts, you know, in a way that, you know, we sit down to do a scene together and it just falls into place. It's, it's really wonderful and, and exhilarating. So when you got the call to, to play Roz, was that an easy yes? Or, and who did, who did that call come from? Did that come from Michael or? No, the call came from Chuck Lorre. And also, I, I understand, I, I haven't done series, you know, on, on television before. But my understanding was that usually someone like Chuck Lorre, who created it and, you know, he's the producer and everything, they don't necessarily write every episode. They have, um, you know, a stable of writers that they assign. And but Chuck promised that he would write every episode, and he did. So there was a marvelous consistency, you know, both to the characters and the dialogue and everything. Now, Chuck called me, and um, he was explaining, this is, I always thought it was kind of funny. He was explaining that, you know, this was going to be two adults who had a very terrible, you know, relationship, divorce, et cetera come back together because the daughter's getting married and and find that they remember their friendship of why they liked each other in the first place and they grow to accept each other. And I said, no, no, wait, wait, Chuck, you're telling me that you're going to write adults who learn and change? Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> And he said, yes, that's what he was doing. So, yeah, that was easy. That was an easy, uh, you know, no brainer almost. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Was that refreshing to have like, you know, because adults, we do grow up. We do change. We do calm down <laughs> after the madness. So was that refreshing to like play Roz? Yeah. What was really kind of cool was that process of discovering again you know, why you liked this person in the first place, what, you know, why you, you were attracted to them and not just feel, getting reminded of it, but um, appreciating those qualities. That was very nice. So, you know, we're still fresh from Oscar week, which made history. I'm curious, did you watch the Oscar ceremony and 
did you have any thoughts on, you know, I mean, it, history was made with Chloe Zhao winning. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't watch. Um, I traveled that day up to Canada. I was a little, I was a little really tired and um, getting established in this, in my little Airbnb. Uh, you know, I, I was, I was content to see the clips the next day and, and uh, learn all the uh, winners and stuff. I'm, uh, I'm not entranced with the award shows. I, I appreciate that, you know, that there's recognition of people's work. I appreciate that very much. But I have never enjoyed the parade, as it were. Yeah. Do you think Hollywood is changing, has changed at all? Like, the way, I mean, you mentioned it, the way we're treating women. I hope so. I was was doing... um, an interview with this person from Interview Magazine, right? And they were going back and and interviewing the people that were on their covers over the years. Yeah. So I suppose I was at least thirty years ago. I was on, I was on the cover. And what they do is they go back over everything you said in the interview, and you either confirm or deny or whatever you want to do. <laughs> for me, for me, with all you know, almost every interview I've read. Um, and I don't always, um, I would agree with everything I said. I had, But the thing I really liked was 30 years ago when he said, you know, when the interviewer asked what I thought was wrong with Hollywood, I said, you know, gender inequality, equal pay for women. And I want credit. I said that 30 years ago. You did. You did. And here we are slowly. Slowly getting there? I don't know. Slowly, slowly. Slowly. But, you know, we're also shining a spotlight on, you know, the the old Hollywood system of bullying, Me Too, and, you know, most recently Scott Rudin came up, you know, and know. he worked, you worked with him. I mean, oh, yeah. what was yeah. what was that experience like? Well, uh, I, he was very courteous to me. Um, I never ran into that aspect of, but I didn't, I never dealt with him daily, you know, day to day or anything like that. I, I always think, you know, when the Me Too movement really broke ground, I thought how incredibly fortunate I had been because my first role in Body Heat was a starring role. Mm-hmm. So I was never in the position to go and, and, you know, beg for play to power, you know, for um, the roles. I I started out a star. And so I was never, you know, one of these women who would try desperately to get, um, you know, to get a role, as it were. And in that, I was very fortunate. And, you know, you mentioned having, now that you've done series television with, with Chuck Laurie at the helm writing the episodes <laughs> and Minsky method. What's your next, I guess, step? Like, what would you look for in a dream role, whether it's TV or, you know, doing movies? Well, I'm doing a little independent film now, once I get out of this quarantine, by God. Anyway, uh, and I'm play- I took a supporting role, and I really like that right now. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that's 
that's the investment I want to make now. Uh, God, I, I want, you know, I have roles lined up for when theater opens again. Um, and so it all depends on when, when we work out how to do that. Um, yeah. or we get, you know, enough immunity. Um, right now in Canada, you know, the reason I'm locked up for 14 days is because they don't have enough vaccine. And so they cannot, you know, they cannot vaccinate everyone. And I was thinking, my God, you know, we have so much vaccine. And our problem is people who won't do it, who won't take it. Yeah. You know, which is ridiculous, but there you go. It's kind of crazy to think, I guess, what, barely six months ago, we went from an administration that didn't care for science to suddenly, what's the figure, 200 million people are now vaccinated. It's shocking, isn't it? 220 million. Yes. That's the figure. Yes. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to have a government that actually does something. You mentioned theatre, and I, I get I get the sense, I can feel your love for it, Um you know, like what is what are some of your favorite shows? I mean, did you get to see any shows before the pandemic, before we ended down, you know, ended up in, in lockdown? Theater. In theater. Mm. Yeah. Oh gosh, you know, that's over a year ago. Um, you know, I it'd be it's hard to um I was caught up in my rehearsals, you know, and my my work. Um what would have been something I saw two years ago? <laughs> I know, it's kind of crazy. Like, a doll's, yeah, a doll's House Part 2, maybe, which was absolutely extraordinary. Um, I've never been much of a musical fan, which is kind of funny since now I want to sing, but um, <laughs> there aren't that many <laughs> roles written for baritone. Yes, you got your taste of singing. Oh my! And your in your show, <laughs> I I think that uh, you know, uh, as I said, there aren't many roles for Baron written for Baron baritone women, and uh, which is what I am. I um, I think my pianist said that he's known of fourteen women who can sing "Old Man River" in the original key, uh, which is kind of crazy. But there you go. <laughs> Uh, somebody somebody no, needs to write that thing, for you, Kathleen. The thing that I really learned and enjoyed doing the Kaminsky method was that there is the thing that builds after doing, you know, many, many episodes together, be it over one season or over three, is the loyalty. You know, and even with the COVID protocols, which kept everyone, I mean, we literally had a woman with a six foot pole walk around and tell us we were standing too close to each other, you know. But, um, and maybe this is also Chuck Lorre and Michael, but there was an extraordinary uh, sense of, of loyalty and participation uh, through the crew, through everyone. Um, yeah. And I always love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I know we're in the pandemic, but in a pre-pandemic world, what would people come up to you and be like, oh, I loved you in this movie? Like, was there a <laughs> ranking of like the top three movies that people yeah. would? No, more often, more often, Jazz, they go, you know, and they say, well, uh, what, for example, what do you think is, you know, 
uh, a movie you feel was underrated. And I say, an accidental tourist. I feel that that was really an extraordinary piece of work. And she would, oh, that's right. That's right. You did that. And I say, yeah. Well, you know, I enjoyed the character in Pritzi's on. Oh, God, that's right. So because each character is so different and there's yeah. no, you know, one genre or anything, I don't do the same role over and over. God help me. Um, that's always been my problem with the idea of doing a series is, you know, I did Mom, a couple of episodes of Mom um, mm-hmm. in pre-COVID. And I loved working with all the women. And that was a, a Chuck Lorre show. But even so, if I had to play the same character year after year, um, I think I'd shoot myself, you know? <laughs> well, that's a thing about your career. Like, it's so versatile. And, like, just looking back, like, you've not played the same woman twice, you know? And yeah. even on Mom and even on the Kaminsky Method, like, you never – did that and a lot of actresses fall into and actors too fall into the trap. I, I don't know if it's trap is the right uh, word, but well, I, I would, uh, yeah, I would agree with trap. I think you know, it's a sure thing, it's a guarantee they become known or you know, successful at one character, and there is a lot of pressure to repeat that character to continue because it's a sure thing. Uh, and if they accept that pressure and, you know, if they like it, if they don't mind it, then um, okay. But I think it's, I, I'd rather explore. I'd rather find out what I can do. Is there a dream cast that you would love to work with out there? I mean, or like a, a role that you're like, I wish I played, I played that in you know, recent years. Uh, uh, You know, I also teach and direct. Yeah. And sometimes I think of, I think of sort of life as being, you know, a tree and the, and the, the, the older gets the deeper the roots and the more branches the tree can support. So I'll take one branch and sing. I'll take one branch and direct. I'll take one branch and teach, you know, over and above the trunk of acting. Uh, does that make sense to you, that sort of metaphor, yeah. as it were? Yes. Yes. Um, I, I, I think so. So in any case, yes, I have, I have a sort of HBO movie uh, that I want very much to direct when it's possible. And uh, I want to, well, I'm, I'm actually in a lovely position. Many, many regional theaters, because I, I'm firmly of the belief that really good theater has to be much broader than just New York, you know, that other people in Washington, in Chicago, in, in St. Louis are, you know, deserve the same caliber of a professional. Anyway. So I, I'm very fortunate in that they think of me to, to when they're developing new pieces. I think of the arena stage, you know, with Molly Smith. And um, yeah, you know, she, uh, she'll call me up and say, what do you think? You know, are you interested in this, in this script? And I'll say, because it's always the script jazz. It's not, mm. it's not on the page, then, I, then I'm not doing it. You know, 
Love that. What is the, I mean, you talked about teaching. What is the one piece of advice that you give your students? <laughs> All right, you should get my book. I, anyway. I, need, I will get your book after this. Yeah, no, the second one, the second one, Kathleen Turner on acting. Um, it's an easy read because the whole thing is, you know, sort of a dialogue. Um, I, I, my final word to my students after the, at the end of the last class is to be brave, you know, is to just be brave. Don't, don't cop out. Don't, you know, don't fail from fear of failure. Failure is how we learn. Failure is if you don't risk to the point of failing, you don't know what you can do. Love that. What was the best piece of advice you received in early in your career that helped you? Uh, um, uh, show up on time. Don't keep anyone else waiting. You know, be thoroughly professional. Um, there's no room for, you know, for egos and stuff when when there are dozens or hundreds of other people depending on you. Uh, it's 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 stupid and self-destructive. So, yes, the best advice I ever got was be a thorough professional, show up on time uh, and do the job. I love that. And when we were in lockdown before you started, you know, before you returned to film set, what? What kept you entertained? What shows were you watching and movies? Uh, well, God knows that's what I'm having to do now. And I got to say, I'm getting <laughs> kind of tired of watching. I'm a great reader. I read a lot. I read several books a week usually. So I, you know, so I balance in between books and 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 finding things on TV. I was just, this morning I was revisiting Handmaiden's Tale, then decided that I hadn't missed much. <laughs> so I, I left that one. Um, there are several series that I, I need to look at. I want to look at Ozarks. Um, my daughter recommended what? Shadow and Bone? Yeah. She says that that's really, that's really powerful. Oh, yeah. And then there are all the movies I haven't seen on, you know, on on classic, you know, classic film. And uh, I, I never took a lot of time to do that. And now I, I have to. <laughs> There's nothing else I can do right now. You've got 14 days of quarantine left. I know. And uh, it's really tough. It really is. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine. How is well, better? Is it better in Los Angeles now? Because when I left uh, December 20th, they were in the, the, the midst of another wave, you know, saying that one in three in the Los Angeles area. So I felt um, fortunate to get out of there, actually. Yeah. But it's much better now, isn't it? It's much better now. And they're, you know, we're doing well as a as a county. I mean, a lot of people are still walking around without masks. And I still have this PTSD of like, are you vaccinated? Are you not? We're still in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, I agree. I absolutely agree. I would no more walk out without a mask um, almost anywhere still. But New York now is opening up into the sense that they, you know, they've allowed almost all the good restaurants have built up outside. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the city has given them a full lane on the street uh, to to expand. And some restaurants have more room on the street than they did in their own, you know, inside. But um, so now also now that the weather is getting warmer and everything, I think that's going to be really wonderful to, you know, because for months we couldn't go out to, to, right. to dine, for God. <laughs> yeah, it will be interesting to see. They are opening up the movie houses again but only to like a quarter cap, you know, uh, capacity. And I think in some events, you have to show proof of vaccination. Um, So, well. Which which gives you a little bit of of peace of mind when you know that you're in a room full, you know, 25%. Everybody there is vaccinated. Yes, it's been nice because I've been able to have two dinner parties with fully vaccinated friends, you know, and we haven't been able to do that for over a year. I know. And I think as human beings, we're not programmed to be in isolation. It's tough. Uh, I've never felt quite as isolated as I do here. But, but then I, of course, home in my own apartment. Uh, but we, we could always go out and walk on the streets in New York. It was yeah. never, it was never a stay in your you know, or die situation, um, which it seems to be here. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I, England went through a terrible phase. I, I think yes. Maggie Smith is a dear, dear friend. And I, we talk and yeah, she's been telling me that, um, well, she's going back to work or she started work again. Uh, she'll start filming in a couple of weeks on another Downton Abbey. And yeah, um, she's a she doesn't she doesn't like all this protocol stuff, but um, but you know she's a professional actor. Whatever it takes, you do. Yeah, and you did you you had a conversation with her recently for the UK a, a UK yeah. outlet. Yeah, Fane Fane Productions. They were the yeah. ones. They brought my cavalry over and and toured it, and they were. Very, very good men. And so when they asked to do an evening with, I said, well, why don't we ask Maggie to do it too? You know, and she's, she's so funny. She's like, oh, no, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Who's interested in an old woman? I go, everybody, everybody, Maggie, everyone is. No, 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 I have nothing to say. And you go, yeah, you do, you do. Oh, well, I am potty in your hands, dear, you know, kind of thing. So anyway, we worked it out and we did it. Yes, it was You lovely. convinced her to do it. And you do an incredible Maggie Smith accent, by the way. <laughs> it's the voice breaking, you know, is that? She is a delight. That's the Kaminsky Method star Kathleen Turner. The show's third and final season premieres Friday, May 28 on Netflix. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. 
Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Emmy predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Danielle Terciano and Jazz Tanke, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.